Good evening. The Lord is alive, right? Amen. His people should be too, right? <laughs> Leonard Ravenhill said, um, too many times you meet God's people on their way to church, it looks like they're on their way to the dentist. <laughs> He said, you meet him on the way home, and it looked like they'd been to the dentist. <laughs> God bless you. Thanks for coming tonight. We're seeking the Lord and asking for a blessing. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. I have a few verses here we want to read, and then we'll turn to Isaiah 61 for the message tonight. But Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 1 and 2, I, this is one of those passages that I could meditate on for a long time myself and just ponder all the implications of what's said here in these couple verses. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to take the time to read back in chapter 3, but when it says here in verse 4, uh, when it, this is in the context of the nation of Israel, the children of Israel that perished in the wilderness because of their unbelief, because of the un- sin of unbelief, it's called an evil heart of unbelief. That's pretty serious. We tend to think of an evil heart as adultery or, you know, some other sin. But God calls it here an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So it's talking about the children of Israel and how they did not enter into the rest. The original, uh, the, the original ones that God delivered from Egypt, only two of them entered into the rest. The majority of them perished in the wilderness because of their unbelief. That's the background. Now look at these two verses. They're so sobering to me. It says, let us, uh, Hebrews 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, it's a healthy fear, I guess, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now it says here in verse 2, Unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Who's them? Children, children of Israel, right? That's sobering, isn't it? That's amazing. And it says, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word, see the word was preached to them in some manner and form, I reckon, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. That's sobering to me. I, I don't know what that, the implications of that and what all that means, I can't tell you, but it's a sobering th- meditation, isn't it? And, and here it tells us the gospel in some form was preached to them. And it didn't do them any good because they didn't have faith. I believe it. Sobering word, but the gospel? Wait a minute. Wait. It preached to them when? <laughs> I don't know how it all worked. But other than 1 Corinthians uh, 10 tells us that the rock, Jesus was that rock from which they all drank. And like the poem I read, maybe the first or second evening, he was there the whole time he was with them. And they... They, they didn't see him, they rejected him. And so when, they re- when, when Jesus came as a person, was rejected and crucified, that was simply the, that was simply the, the conclusion of what they'd been doing for centuries. That wasn't the first time they rejected him. He'd been rejected all along. Okay, let's turn to what the, the gospel was preached to them. So the gospel was preached in the Old Testament. We're, trying to t- uh, we're talking this week about the gospel according to Isaiah. So we see it here. Isaiah 61, we want to read our text tonight in um, 
we'll want to look at it here in Isaiah 61, and then we'll turn to Luke 4 and read it in the, in the New Testament as well, and then we'll talk about it here tonight. Isaiah 61, verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings, that's the word for gospel in the Hebrew, to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, uh, John 15, plant the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Hallelujah. <coughs> praise God. So let's turn to uh, uh, Luke chapter 4. We can, you can keep your hand between these two texts. Um, this will be our text for this evening. Try to try to not do what the one dear old man who was uh, illiterate said. He read a he read a chapter or passage of the Bible, and then he says, "Now I will begin to confound this passage." Luke uh, Luke chapter four verse fourteen. <clears throat> we'll read down through verse twenty one. Verse 14, this was after Jesus' temptation there. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I want you to ponder for a little bit what that moment must have been like. I can only imagine that that prophecy in Isaiah 61 was probably a pretty familiar passage to any of the devout Jews especially as they entered into uh, their time of judgment and their time of um, Babylonian captivity. You can just imagine them in Babylon in captivity, reading the, the saints through the ages, like we, we talked about in 1 Peter 1, how the prophets inquired and searched diligently after this salvation. You can only imagine them reading Isaiah 61 and saying, Oh God, when? When is this going to happen? This is so beautiful, Lord. This is so powerful, so beautiful. Look at these promises. But when? We're in Babylon. And just through the centuries from, you know, 700 years roughly from the time that this prophecy was made till Jesus read here in, uh, 
in the synagogue and read this prophecy and said, this day it's fulfilled. 700 years. There were, I believe, the true saints of God uh, through those centuries and the children of Israel read that and asked, when? This is so beautiful. Look at these promises. When, Lord? And then all of a sudden, one day, in a little town there in Nazareth, his hometown, he stood up in the synagogue and read the passage, the beautiful promise, and said, it's fulfilled. It's being fulfilled today. Imagine that. What a moment. What a moment. We're going to talk tonight about the Messiah's ministry. The ministry of the Messiah. This, was, this ministry was prophesied. We could also look at Isaiah 42. We're not going to do that. Another, in, in Isaiah chapter um, 11, I believe it is. There's different ones. There's many other ones. Isaiah 35. We'll look at a few of them maybe later when we talk about the king and his kingdom. But here tonight, we'll just keep it here. We want to talk about the Messiah's ministry, the ministry of the Messiah. Now, you're aware that Messiah is the, is a, it means anointed one in the Hebrew. We, in Greek, the name was Christ or Christos, which is anointed. And so we have that right here at the beginning of both of these passages. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, notice what it says here. It says, he will preach or proclaim. Um, I'm trying to do these passages together somewhat, so there'll be a little crossover. He'll preach or proclaim, and he'll heal or bind up. He'll preach and set at liberty. He'll preach and comfort those that mourn. Now, <clears throat> I want you to think about this for a moment. What I see here, one thing I see, I want to remind us of, when we think of the ministry of Christ, this is a ministry that includes both the preaching and teaching and the, the doing. I want to, uh, uh, if you uh, look, turn to Luke 24, and I'll give you a few passages here. Um, Luke 24. You know, I maybe wouldn't have had you turn here, but it's okay. Luke 24, verse 19. Here again was on the Emmaus Road, and... Um, these two disciples made this comment in verse 19 as they spoke to Jesus there as they walked together. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And the point I want to bring out in this first meditation, or reflection is that the ministry of Christ, the ministry of the Messiah includes mighty in word and deed. Okay. It says again in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, you will need to turn there, but uh, it's also written by uh, Luke. And it, Acts 1, verse 1 begins this way. It says, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. So when you have the ministry of Christ, it includes, it includes the preaching and teaching and the doing what he did. The ministry of Christ included both. Um, let's turn back to uh, Matthew chapter 4. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. Verse 23. Matthew 4, verse 23. It says here, this is at the beginning of his ministry again, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, 
and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And the, his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments. Anyway, and he, he healed them, delivered them. I have, I have several more passages we can look at. Like it says in Matthew 13, he told his, his apostles, he said, Blessed are you, because many prophets have desired to see the things you see and to hear the things you hear in heaven. But you have heard them and you've seen them. And so the ministry of Christ includes both. It, it, includes, it includes a message. It's kind of like show and tell. We used to have that in school when I was younger. It, it's, 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 there's a telling and there's a showing. It's what he said and what he did. Are you with me? His ministry, the ministry of the Messiah includes both of that. You see, the world needs to hear the message of Christ and they need to see the message of Christ. Amen. It's like, uh, it's like uh, here quoting Raven Hill again, I'm sorry. He said, the world is not waiting for a new definition of Christianity. It's waiting for a new de demonstration of Christianity. The world is waiting for us to tell them about Jesus. But I'm sorry, many times what we say don't have enough effect because we don't show them enough of Jesus. The Ohizi's quote here says, no church knows how to function until it has seen how Christ functioned. We are here to do what he did. We are here to teach what he taught. The ministry of the Messiah is to come on down through the church. That ministry, he brought it. It came through him, but it's to continue on. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's anointing. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, it's said of Jesus. You, after you receive your anointing, it says, you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall sh show forth who I am. You shall be witnesses unto me. The ministry of the Messiah carries on through his church. Please remember, this calling is upon us. What if Christ were there? What if Christ were in your home? This is, uh, when I meditate on this, it challenges me. What if my wife was married to Jesus. What would her life look like? How much more beautiful? How much more? What, what about my children? How would their life be if they were married to Jesus? I, I, I think about those things sometimes. What if Christ were there? He is to be there when we are there. And his spirit is in us. And his truth is in our heart. And his spirit is upon us. Christ is there. We are to call to carry on the ministry of Christ, the ministry of the Messiah. The first thing we notice here in this prophetic uh, voice given as we think about the ministry of the Messiah, first thing, the first point for tonight is the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he said, both passages. And we taught, we've referenced this already, but it's a, uh, it's a spiritual ministry. It's a ministry in the Spirit. John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh, that's flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And we're, the ministry of the Messiah would be under the anointing of the Spirit. We already noted in Acts chapter 1. And the thing is this, the, the, um, the church is to receive that same anointing and minister in that anointing. It's, I looked it up today briefly. I didn't look at every reference. But in the, in the Acts of the Apostles... There's over 70 references of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. 
I mean, it's full in the Acts of the Apostles. In the Acts of the Apostles, the church, the early church there, ministered under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Word of God. Both were there. I referenced that the other evening. So the ministry of Christ is a ministry under the anointing of Christ and His Spirit. Um, I gave you that quote from William Booth maybe last evening. He said that the one phrase in there, the danger of the 20th century Christianity would be, he made the quote in 1899, that it would be a religion without the Holy Spirit. That is the danger. That Christianity, whenever we're living, whenever Christianity is not lived out under that anointing, it becomes a diversion or it becomes something different, something other than a biblical testimony of Jesus Christ. So it's a spiritual ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon him. The Spirit of the Lord is to be in us. And I think I'll just read this here as we think of that being a spiritual ministry. Verses you're very familiar with here in Romans 8. It says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's interesting. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. It doesn't, it doesn't submit itself to God's law. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Whoa. Reminds me of a little boy who was in Sunday school. And uh, he went to Sunday school class. And uh, they, they taught him that day in Sunday school how big God was. They were trying to explain how big He is. And His, his presence is everywhere. And, he is so big, and he's a spirit, and he lives everywhere. His little head was kind of spinning. So he went to the service, and the preacher had a message about how God wants to live in man. He wants to dwell in man. And uh, by then, his head was really spinning. So on the way home from church, he said, Mama, he said, if God is so big, and he's living in me, why, Mama, he'll be sticking out all over. <laughs> Amen? God wants to stick out all over. And we're full of the Spirit of God. It'll come out. It'll come out. Anyway, it says here, If the Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells or lives in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. Not to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do put to death or mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. So it's a spiritual, the ministry of the Messiah. It's a spiritual ministry. It's a spiritual life. The second point we want to consider is we talked about here. This, the two aspects of this ministry are Preaching and teaching and doing what Christ did. Saying what he said. Proclaiming what he taught. Teaching what he taught. Go into all the world and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have taught you. And I will be with you to the end of the age. 
the Great Commission there. Go and teach them all things that I've taught you. So that is part of the gospel. The ministry of the Messiah was to preach the gospel to the poor, says unto the meek in Isaiah. Let's talk a little bit about this gospel. This gospel is good news. Amen. Good news. Good news. You know, sometimes, sometimes the gospel simply becomes, um, we, we can narrow it down pretty far. And I want to submit to you tonight that the gospel, the whole gospel is recorded for us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's, it has to do with Jesus' death and resurrection. That cements the gospel. But the gospel includes what he taught. It's good news. He called it the gospel of the kingdom. It's repentance from sin. Yes, it is. It is faith in Christ. John 3, 15 and 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We have, that's, the, that's part of the gospel. But it also include, includes Luke 14. When you think of the, you consider the call to discipleship, Jesus had a large multitude was following him. And we, as men, we can tend to say, hey, this is good. Look, we're successful. We have a big crowd. And Jesus had a big crowd several times. And they were there, and he gives them a hard message of commitment. And in Luke 14, it says there was a large crowd there. And he turned to them, and he said, listen, this is, this is this cost of discipleship. If any man is not willing to forsake father and mother, whatever, and follow me, he's not worthy to be my disciple. And he says, again, if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. That's sobering, but that's part of the gospel. So when we preach the gospel, that's what he taught. That's what we need to preach. It takes complete surrender and abandonment to not just Jesus as Savior, but Jesus as Lord. And we are, we, Christianity in America is facing, I believe it's one reason it's lost its power and its glory is because Jesus is Savior, but Jesus is not Lord. And so in, I found that witnessing to people, that, uh, everybody, a lot of people are Christians, not everybody, but if they say, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian, you say, well, is, are, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? That stops them. It starts, what do you mean? They think, can you be a Christian and not have Jesus as the Lord of your life? He taught clearly that he has to be the Lord. So when we talk about the God, that's what he taught. That's what he preached. That's part of the good news. There's a new king coming. He requires complete surrender and abandonment to him. Complete devotion to him. He will not share devotion with anyone or anything else. We must love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind. That's still what he's calling us to and our neighbor as ourselves. So the gospel is the word. It's the ministry of the word. It's, it's recorded for us here in the, in the Bible. It does include the cross. It includes the empty tomb. It includes the blood that was shed. Praise God. It includes the atonement. It, it includes all that. But it includes... A life of devotion and abandonment to him. A life of discipleship. It's not philosophy or psychology. It's not the wisdom of men. But it is the word of God. Amen. That's the gospel. In Isaiah 42, God said, I will put 
He was talking about the new covenant that's coming. He was looking forward. He was anticipating to have a people that he would redeem by grace through faith for himself. And then this is what it says in the new covenant. He says, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds and they will walk in my ways. So he wants to put his gospel in in, in and make it a part of our life, a part of our DNA, so to speak. Preaching the gospel. It's the word of God. In Acts, I told you already, it's full of references of the Holy Holy Spirit as the church was born and as the church carried out the ministry of Christ. It's full of references to the Holy Spirit and it's also full of references to the word of God. It says the word grew and prevailed mightily under the Spirit's anointing. So the Spirit and the Word, that was the ministry of Jesus. And it was carried on there in the book of, in the Acts of the Apostles. And it's, it's the call for us to go on today. Preach the Word, Paul told Timothy. Preach the Word. So let's talk here about, um, so it's, it's that. Let's talk about some aspects of what the Word would, was going to do. It says this Word or this Gospel this message, this preaching was going to do several things. Uh, we had it in our text. It was, going to pre- it was going to bring deliverance to the captives. As the word came forth, it would bring deliverance. And it would bring a recovering of sight to the blind. I'm using Luke's reference here. So, sight to the blind through the gospel word. All right? It tells us in Isaiah 42 that uh, in the book of Isaiah, I wanted to make this comment sometime. I'll just make it now quick. In the book of Isaiah, you have two servants. God calls, he says, um, he talks about my servant, God does in the book of Isaiah. And so one of those is the Messiah in Isaiah 42. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. So some of the time in Isaiah, when God speaks about my servant, it's talking about the Messiah. He also calls Israel his servant. Later in Isaiah 42, same chapter, he says this, Hear ye deaf, and look ye blind, that ye may see. Who is blind but my servant? Or who is deaf as my messenger that I sent? Who is blind as he that is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant? Seeing many things, but thou observest not, opening the ears, but hears not. And Jesus used that same thing with the parables. He he gave taught in parables that seeing they would not see. And so the ministry of the Messiah would bring light. It would bring bring, uh, revelation and light. We talked about that a little bit when we talked about illumination the other night when Christ came in the flesh. But the ministry of the Messiah, his gospel that he would bring, his good news that he would proclaim would bring light. It um, It would be recovering of sight to the blind. It would open the eyes of the blind. Israel was called blind and deaf in the Old Testament because of their unbelief. It says that we, in 1 John chapter 2, the darkness is past and the true light now shines because we have the ministry of Christ, we have his word and we have his example there in 1 John. We have illumination. But I want to look at one other passage as we think of that, the gospel bringing light into the world. Jesus said it like this in John 9, uh, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 9. You don't need to turn there. You'll, he says this. After he'd healed this blind man, and uh, the, the, the religious leaders of that day were very disturbed about it, and they cast this man out of the synagogue. And, uh, anyway, 
So then he found Christ again, and, and, and they had some interchange. And then Jesus said this in John 9, 39. He said, for judgment, I am come into the world. It's for judgment that I am come into the world, that they which see, that they which see not, I'm sorry, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, are we also blind? Kind of challenge him, I think. Are we blind? And he said, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remaineth. And so the, 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 the gospel message was going to bring light. It is the truth. It is power. It is recovering of sight for the blind. The second thing we see here is the gospel, the word would bring deliverance to the captives through the word of the gospel. Jesus told Nicodemus there in John 3, this uh, leader, this rabbi, this, this teacher in Israel came to Jesus and he, he said, we know that you're from God uh, because no one can do these miracles except God be with him. And then God, uh, Jesus told him, truly, truly, you accept a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he says, he has to, we must be born of the water and of the spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And later in John 3, he says, For whosoever believeth in him, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it, he was preaching deliverance through, his, through this. He was pre this word of the gospel preached deliverance for man. I want you to turn to this one. Let's turn to John chapter 5. The deliverance was going to come through the gospel. That's part of the gospel message. And this deliverance comes as the word of God is preached. And I want you to see this. I want you to see the power of the word of God here in delivering people. In John chapter 5, verse 24, I read these two verses for years, and I just associated them with the, the resurrection from the dead in the last day. But is saying something else here. Notice this, John 5, 24. This is the power of the word of the gospel. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus speaking, he that hears my word, hears my word. So the gospel is, is preached. True, the word of God is preached and it goes out. And someone hears that word and there's faith in his heart. Remember Hebrews uh, chapter four, they heard the gospel, but it didn't do him any good because it wasn't mixed with faith. So he said, he that hears my word and believes, there's faith in that life, and believes on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. Deliverance. Right there. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now that's a profound statement. He, goes, he, he just backs it right up in verse 25 and says basically the same thing. Look at what it says. Truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and it's now. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now, I always thought, well, yeah, that's, that's the resurrection. It's not. The resurrection's down further. Look at this. Uh, it says here in verse 28, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, future, into which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. So he's saying in verse 25, the hour's coming, and it's even now that... Uh, when the dead, those who are spiritually dead, will hear the word of God. They'll hear the voice. They'll hear the voice of the Son of God. They'll hear the word of God. And there's faith there. And they'll have eternal life. 
Amen? You see, Jesus came not just to make bad men and women better, not just to make bad people better. That's a byproduct of the gospel. Jesus came to make dead people live. And the gospel does that. And that is our only hope. As we preach the gospel, as we share the gospel, as we share the word of God, our hope is as the word and the truth goes out, the gospel goes out, someone will hear. The Holy Spirit will move on their heart and someone will hear the word of God and the voice of the Son of God. And as they hear in their faith, they'll live. Hallelujah. That's our hope. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we share the gospel. Because the gospel, uh, it, the power of that to transform lives. Uh, the word of God is so powerful. We are born again by the, by the word of God, it says there in 1 Peter. The incorruptible word of God. Being born uh, uh, of that seed of that incorruptible word of God. Where there's the spirit speaks and the word goes out and someone hears it. That's our hope. And when that hearing and that faith come together, eternal life. That's powerful. The hour is coming and now is when the dead, someone who's spiritually dead, will hear the voice of the Son of God as it comes through the gospel. And when they hear it, they'll live. Hallelujah. The power of the gospel. Let's turn to John 8. The power of this word. It says he would preach the gospel and there would... There would be, as the gospel is preached, there would be deliverance to the captives through this gospel. <clears throat> John 8, verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believe on him, if you continue in my word, there's an if there, it's a condition. If you continue in my word, and that word continue is the same word abide in the KJV in John 15. If you remain in my word, if you abide in my word, if you live in here, And this word lives in you. If you live in my word, if you abide in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Look at the power of the gospel. And then these Jews answered him, and they said, wait a minute. We're Abraham's children. We have a natural descendants of Abraham. We're his children. We were never in bondage to anyone. How do you say you'll be made free? And Jesus answered them. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. It doesn't say there, I'm sorry, it doesn't say if he's a Christian or not. It's just a fact. If sin is reigning in someone's life, and they're a servant to sin. But he said, the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. Now he says here again, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. And we could talk, there's so many passages we could look at that the gospel came to bring deliverance to the captives. Those who were under the power of sin, those who were under the power of death, those who were under the power of the flesh, whatever we need to be delivered from. The gospel, it's a gospel of deliverance. It's a gospel of power that's able to deliver. It's able to raise the dead and give them spiritual life. Those who are spiritually dead. This was the ministry of the Messiah. We see it in his ministry, don't we? We see that this happened in his ministry. This happened in a powerful way. This is the ministry of the Messiah. This ministry was carried on through the early church. Let's look at Acts 26. This this ministry was carried on. There was a ministry of deliverance. It was a ministry of, of bringing light 
and deliverance to those who were in bondage and in the power of Satan, in the power of sin. In Acts 26, verse uh, 17 and 18, here we have Paul uh, giving his defense before King Agrippa and how he was called into the service of the Lord Jesus Christ, called to be a disciple, called to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here, this was his calling. Look at this on his resume. Look at this on his uh, job description, verse 17. First it says he would, uh, verse 16, that he would... uh, Make him a minister and witness of both these things. Oh my, we've got to see it in there. See it in verse 16. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared. This is Jesus speaking to him. I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and witness both of the things which thou hast seen and the things which you have heard. You see it there? Uh, no, I'm sorry. The things which thou hast seen and those things which I will appear unto thee. So he was going to give him more revelation. So it was still that ministry of seeing and receiving and hearing. Now it says in verse 17, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And so Paul is called to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called to take the gospel out and specifically to the minister to the Gentiles. Now here's what he says will happen through this ministry of the gospel to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light that we have the same the recovering of sight to the blind. Turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. That was his calling. The power of the gospel. Hallelujah. So we see the ministry of Jesus came through him as a person. It, kept, it, it, it went on out through the church in the gospel according to Acts. It was carried on. This is the, the, we're talking to look at the ministry of the Messiah tonight. Now, there's one other thing it says here that, they, that he would preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It says it both in Isaiah and also in Luke. And I understand there could be different thoughts as to what that might be. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I personally think it's referring to Leviticus 25 there where it talks about the year of Jubilee. They would have 49 years and then it would be the 50th year would be a year of Jubilee. And this is what it says in Leviticus 10, just the first part of the verse. It's talking about how they should sound the trumpet to start this year of Jubilee. And then you shall hallow the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It would, be, it would proclaim liberty to, to those who had been servants They were set free and sent home. So I would see it as that uh, Jesus, this acceptable year of the Lord, that sounds, I see it as the kingdom of God. He would preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He would preach the kingdom of heaven. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we see it through the gospel in, in both in Matthew and Mark is called the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And we already looked at John 3, that to be, we must be born again. We must be transformed. We must be born again so we can enter into the kingdom and live it out. Now, uh, the, the teaching of the kingdom of heaven, the year of the Lord, the acceptable year of the Lord, he was, he was proclaiming deliverance to the captives, and there would be a new reign. There would be a new kingdom established through his coming and through his death and resurrection. God's kingdom would come to earth like we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. 
God was wanting to do that. That God's kingdom is his, God's reign. It's where, it's where God, it's where lives are yielded to him. It's where he is the Lord. It's where his will, his will is done in earth as it is in heaven. Think about how his will is done in heaven. Someone has said, you know, if God would ever tell the angels, go preach the gospel in all the world, and heaven would empty out. I mean, God's will is done in heaven immediately, completely. It's, his will is always done in heaven. May thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's where his kingdom is. Now, Jesus in, in Matthew 13, you're familiar, uh, he gave um, uh, um, quite a number of teachings through his, as he gave the gospel, as he gave the gospel message, he taught the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a seed, mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, he taught God's kingdom coming to earth. That's part of the gospel message. God's kingdom now. And that didn't just stop with Jesus. We see the, the Acts of the Apostles. We see that book closing. Then at the end of Acts, in Acts 28, after Paul makes it to Rome, he's as a prisoner. We see the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the early church there. It says, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house in Rome, receiving, and he received all that came to him. And this is what he was doing. He was preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. So this message of God's kingdom coming to earth, that, that was part of the gospel that Jesus brought. He taught it in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Some people say that's for future. Well, it's going to be realized in its fullness in the future, but we believe it has been initiated now. And we're called to be, to be born again so we can enter into the kingdom, and we're called to live out God's kingdom right now, to do his will on earth. To, this kingdom has laws. We're called to follow them. So that's part of the gospel message, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, a year of jubilee, a kingdom of God's coming to earth where his will is to be realized. Now we see here briefly in Isaiah 61, uh, when it's in this passage too, it says in verse, 20, uh, verse 2 that he would pre proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and it says, in the day of vengeance of our God. And to comfort all that mourn. So he did preach the coming of the kingdom. He also preached, he warned men of judgment. Jesus preached about judgment. Not a, very, not a very popular subject today. But he preached judgment is coming. Every man will be, will be, he warned men of the coming judgment. Jesus warned men of damnation and hell. He actually preached a lot about hell. When's the last time you heard a message about hell? Not very popular. We don't hear them a lot at home either. We just heard one several months ago, a brother had a burden for it. But before that, it was years. But Jesus, you look at the gospel message, he preached about hell. He warned about hell. He actually talked quite a bit about hell. We don't like that. We don't think that's not good news. But part of the gospel was to awaken men that there's a judgment coming. There is. We believe in hell, right? So that's what happens. We don't talk about it. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to preach it. Sometimes we kind of lose. Well, I don't, surely God wouldn't do that to anyone. You know, we kind of waver on it. But Jesus, he warned people about hell. Don't sound like such good news. But if you were, in a, if you were asleep in a burning house, if, if you were my neighbor and your house was on fire and I went and I knew it, and I say, you know, I, I, I don't want to wake him up. That's not going to be very fun, very pleasant to wake this fellow up. And tell him his house is burning. That'd be terrible. I mean, you would get on there and knock on the door. Say, wake up. 
That's good news. Get out. I mean, your house is burning down. So just remember that. I think we want to keep that. We want to watch so we don't just take the gospel and say, this is the gospel of Jesus. It's about, you know, and just narrow it down to a few things. He, he preached the gospel. And that's what he preached. It's recorded for us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, it said, that was what he preached. That's what he was mighty in word. Uh, you know, I, they, they, they sent those, uh, those uh, soldiers to take Jesus. And they stood there and they must have got, they got preoccupied with listening to him preach or teach. And they came back without Jesus. And they said, where's Jesus? The ones that sent him. They said, well, no man ever spake like this man. It must have been something to hear Jesus preach. Can you imagine that? I'm, I'm sure when he preached about hell, I'm sure it was in tears, probably brokenness. It wasn't a, you know, and that's how we should talk about those things. But it must have been something to hear Jesus preach and teach. So he was mighty in word. <laughs> he was mighty in word, but he was also mighty in deed. And it's telling us here that the gospel would come, the ministry of the Messiah would be mighty in word, it would be mighty in deed. What, all that he began to do and to teach, that's the ministry of the Messiah. And here's some of the things he would do. I'll read Isaiah 61 and Luke 4, both kind of mixed in. He would bind up the brokenhearted. Luke says, heal the brokenhearted. He would set at liberty them that are bound. I think one of them says bruised. He would set them at liberty. He would help them find freedom. He would help to bring healing to those who are hurting. He would help to find victory and liberty for those who are bound and bruised. And he would comfort all that mourn. It's a beautiful ministry when you think of the ministry of Christ, the ministry of the Messiah. I'll just look at maybe one or two passages here. Uh, we think of all that he began to do. I want to include that. I want, to, I want us to think about that as the church. Our calling is to preach the gospel and teach the gospel, but our calling is to do what he did. You say, well, maybe we don't have the power to heal. We don't, but Christ is still in his church, and he still wants us to, he, he still wants us to minister to the needs around us, the, the hurting, the down, the out, the, the broken, the, the, the needs of humanity. He wants us to be concerned about that and do what we can about it and bring those needs to him. Tells us here, and forthwith when they were come out of the synagogue, it's Mark 1, you don't need to turn there. When they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And it says, and at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, and the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases, cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. It's an interesting ministry, isn't it? It's a beautiful ministry. And when John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus to ask, when he was in prison there, to ask him, Go, 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 go find out, is this really the Messiah? Are you the one that should come, or are we, is there someone else we're waiting for, looking for? And these men from John the Baptist came to Jesus while he was curing people and healing them and ministering. He was just, it was a beautiful ministry. In verse 22, and G, they asked him, are you the one that should come, or do we look for another one? John, John 
Baptist sent us over here to ask you. Jesus said this, go your way, tell John what things you have seen. (laughs) A good profession is a blessing, but to see a transformed life is a powerful testimony. Go tell John what you've seen. You, you were standing here watching me minister. He, he didn't have a lot to say to John. He said, just go tell him what you saw. Go tell John what you have seen and heard. <laughs> See them both there together? You were here while I was ministering to this whole group of people. Go tell John what you saw and what you heard. He sent John, and this is what he said. How the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor, and to the poor the gospel was preached. And blessed is he who ever shall not be offended in me. And that's basically, a, uh, re, again, a quote from Isaiah 61. But just go tell John what you see and what you heard in my presence. How these people were healed and what you heard me say. And how the gospel was preached to the poor. Just go tell him that. This is what an expression of the power of the gospel. You might be, maybe you're traveling here saying, yeah, uh, what do you believe about healing and all that? Well, listen. I think, I think we should pray for people, and we should pray for healing, and I think we should commit it to God. But I think, I think the point of this is the ministry of the Messiah was both preaching and teaching, and it was doing the will of God. And in that case, that was healing people. It was ministering to the needs of humanity. He was teaching and doing. And that ministry of the Messiah, it, we're called as a church to follow in that. That comes down on us. We're called to... To, to teach what he taught and do what he did as much as we can by the Spirit, under the anointing of the Spirit of God and the power of the Word of God. Because we still have the Holy Spirit. Amen? 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 And we still have the Word of God. That's powerful. That's a beautiful ministry. The ministry of the Messiah. It's a ministry of help. It's a ministry of hope. We see it continue on in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. We we see it continue on in the early church. <clears throat> the church has an answer for the needs of humanity. We should have. Too many times we're, we're not living the victory. We should. I'm speaking for myself. And so we, it takes away some of our power of testimony to others. But we should have the answer for the needs of humanity. Not in ourselves, but in our Messiah and in his gospel. It is the answer for humanity. We need to be convinced of it. There are tremendous needs in this world. Tremendous needs all around us. But the gospel has not lost its power. Nor its glory. It's just as powerful as it ever was. May we not lose that sight of that. It's still the answer for the needs of humanity. It's not man's ideas, man's philosophies, and man's psychology, and man's... It's not that. The answer for humanity is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my prayer is that this ministry of the Messiah could be carried on through our lives and through this congregation. I'll close here with this little story. The story is told of a little boy who was happily playing in his yard and lived in town. He was happily playing out in the yard and he was singing. Just joyful little spirit. He was singing, Jesus loves me and maybe some other gospel songs. He was singing there out in the yard and this... uh, Man walks by, he's a skeptic or an agnostic or whatever you want to call him, but he was a skeptic and he walked by and he heard this little boy singing. 
He said, hey, you come over here. So this little boy came over. He said, why are you singing like that? There's no God. There's no God. And he started, he started, uh, there's no God. There's no Jesus. And this, this, yeah, he started, he was a skeptic, this little boy. And this little boy looked up at him and he said, sir, if you believe that way, maybe it's okay for you. But sir, please don't tell my daddy. Please don't tell my daddy. This is why. He said, because my daddy used to drink. And my daddy would come home drunk. And my daddy would beat my mama. And my daddy would beat me. And sir, one day, my daddy heard the gospel of Jesus. And my daddy was changed. And now my daddy loves my mama. And my daddy loves me. So if you believe that way, it's okay, but please don't tell my daddy. Best testimony to the world is a transformed life. Do you know the hymn, Jesus Shall Reign Where the Sun? It's number uh, 40, I think, in the Zion's. You know that hymn? Okay. I'd say we'll just sing this hymn. I like it. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does his successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore. So I I didn't look at your, I assume it's the same. Let's just read through it and then we'll see it. His kingdom spread from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. Notice especially... uh, Verse 4, blessings abound where'er he reigns. The prisoner leaps to loose his chains. The weary find eternal rest, and all the sons of want are blessed. Let's sing this together. So if anyone has a need, wants to respond, you're welcome to come forward, and someone will pray with you. Um, we'll just open that up that way. But let's sing this hymn together. And that open, we'll have an open invitation that way. And we'll have a closing prayer after it's finished.